chronic kidney disease is a risk factor for cardiovascular disease, but cardiovascular disease may also cause chronic kidney disease, Dr. Backris will enlighten us on the latest risk factor research. You're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Is kidney disease a silent killer, just like hypertension? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Leslie Lunch, your host, and with me today is Dr. George Backris, the Director of the Hypertensive Diseases Unit in the Section of Endocrinology, Diabetes, and Metabolism at the University of Chicago Pritzker School of Medicine. Dr. Backris has published over 300 articles and book chapters in the area of kidney disease, hypertension, and the progression of nephropathy. Welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. It's a wonder to have you here. You're really one of the world's experts on renal disease. So, Dr. Backris, is kidney disease really a silent killer? Absolutely. People need to think of kidney disease as a silent killer, just like they, I'm sure, have heard about hypertension as a silent killer. The important thing about kidney disease is there are no early warning signals. People many times think they have pain on their side or they'll do something and they think their kidneys got problems. Uh, Pain uh, is really not a manifestation of the kidney unless you have kidney stones. And kidney disease, the most common causes of which are diabetes and hypertension, are totally asymptomatic. There are absolutely no symptoms involved until you lose more than 80% of your kidney. 80%? 80% of, and, and when I say of your kidney, it's really both kidneys. So if you look at how the kidney filters the blood, it's called glomerular filtration rate, and most kidneys go between 100 and 100 mLs per minute. So we're talking about uh, three to four ounces of blood per minute are being filtered by the kidney. That's so-called normal kidney function. When you lose 80%, in other words, when you get down to 20 mLs per minute, then guess what? You feel a little tired. You really are kind of listless. Your appetite isn't very good. You don't know why, but you're not feeling very well. And then you go in and get a blood test on it, and lo and behold, somebody says, well, my gosh, you've got kidney disease. And by the way, you also have anemia. And by the way, you also have some problems with your calcium. So there are a number of things a kidney does that are not appreciated until they're lost. So you always need to be on the alert to detect kidney disease. The annual physical exam is a good way of doing this. But you will never do it from symptomatology. You really won't do it from the history. You have to do it primarily from biochemical tests. So what lab tests should we be ordering on an annual basis? Well, uh, the lab tests uh, that should be done annually include the, the routine uh, electrolytes, BUN and creatinine. And the BUN and creatinine, especially the creatinine, really need to be looked at. In addition to those that single blood test, the other test that needs to be done is a spot urine for albumin and creatinine. You don't need a 24-hour collection. Those days are over. Mm -hmm. Ideally, an early morning or morning void spot urine where albumin and creatinine are measured. Those are really the key tests. The creatinine value uh, in the blood is not very useful because it's a very insensitive marker. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, this is what we've been looking at, but now estimated GFR has uh, replaced Uh, serum creatinine. And how do you calculate an estimated GFR? People remember the old equations for creatinine clearance, and they're like, gee, you subtract something from something, and who knows what's going on. The the reality is that estimated GFR now 
many labs in the country, Quest, for example, uh, a major lab that reports back estimated GFR along with the creatinine, so you get an idea of what the real function is. Why is that important? Well, as you age, you lose muscle mass. As you lose muscle mass, creatinine comes from the muscle. It's a reflection of muscle mass. So a little old lady who's maybe 75 years old with a creatinine, say, of 1.1, which if you look at it with uh, an an eye and uh, looking at it in the context of, of labs, that would be normal. But in the meantime, if you actually calculate out what her estimated GFR would be, it's probably going to be closer to about 50 or 60. And so then automatically it puts her into a more advanced stage of kidney disease. And it's not that she's got impending dialysis or anything like that, but because her kidney function is lower, her cardiovascular risk is going to be higher, not just because of her age, but also because of her kidney function. And I think people need to be appreciative of that, and you never would be if you only look at the creatinine. Additionally, it's important to measure albumin in the urine and do it as an albumin-creatinine ratio because that corrects then for muscle mass issues. And the ratio is one thing, and people will have a hard time interpreting that, but it's much easier to just get a value back in milligrams of albumin per gram creatinine. Values above 30 and less than 300 milligrams per gram are defined as microalbuminuria. Microalbuminuria is a cardiovascular risk marker. It is a marker that tells you your risk for cardiovascular events, stroke, heart attack, etc., are much higher than if you don't have it. And if it continues to increase over time, in other words, if you measure it one year and it's 50, and the next year it's 200, and the next year it's 300, uh, then when you get into that range of 300 or approaching 300, or if the trend is going up, independent of blood pressure, independent of other things, two things can be told. One, you now have clear evidence of kidney disease in addition to a higher cardiovascular risk, and B, there's probably some inflammatory process going on at the level of the vasculature that is causing this, and you're not fixing it by either the magnitude or the me- the medications using to control blood pressure. Maybe your lipids are not totally controlled. All of these things, your glucose is not totally controlled. All of these things affect that parameter. And as we know, aggressive lipid control, blood pressure control, and blood glucose control in those individuals that need those controlled can reduce cardiovascular risk reduction by 76%. And so it's clear that in the very early stages of kidney disease, aggressive cardiovascular risk reduction is really what you want to strive for because by definition, the kidney will reap the benefits. I was going to ask you that. So, you know, if you've already lost 80% of your kidney function, isn't it too late to do anything anyway? Well, now that's an excellent point. I think I have a ski slope analogy that I use. And I tell the patients, if you are coming to me and your kidney function is normal or close to normal, you've only lost maybe 10% of your kidney function, maybe 20% then you are like the person at the top of a ski slope, and it's my job to protect you from going down. I'm going to prevent you from going down. It's very easy for me to stop you from going down that hill, and that would be aggressive cardiovascular risk reduction at that point in time. But now if you're already three-quarters of the way down the hill doing 70 miles an hour, and I want to stop you from reaching the bottom of the hill, it's going to virtually be impossible for me to stop you. I can slow you down but I cannot really stop you. 
And so that's the person with the GFR of 20. Am I going to stop you? No. Am I going to buy you some time off dialysis? Probably a little bit, but not much because you've already lost so much function. And most people need to start dialysis when their GFR is around between 10 and 15. But if your GFR is 40 or 50, there is a tremendous amount of things that can be done. And in fact, one of the cases I illustrate to the house staff and to practicing physicians is the patient comes in who's got a GFR around 55, and only by lowering blood pressure into the neighborhood of around 130 and reducing proteinuria, you can buy that person on average six to seven years off dialysis. Dr. Backris, what is the most common cause of kidney disease? Well, the most common cause of kidney disease is by far diabetes, and a very close second is hypertension. Ah, both treatable. Exactly. What's the most common cause of death in people with kidney disease? No question about it, cardiovascular disease. So what preventative measures can we do to guard against developing kidney disease? Well, I think the first and critical thing is lifestyle intervention. Increasing your exercise, reducing your salt consumption. If you're smoking, stop smoking. Basically good cardiovascular risk management. Now, if you are destined to have kidney disease, that is to say that both your parents had kidney disease and both your parents ended up on dialysis and neither one uh, was there because of a genetic kidney disease like polycystic kidney disease or some other rare uh, finding, but in fact had diabetes. Well, then you know you are at risk for developing kidney disease. And so, number one, you want to be careful not to develop diabetes. That's number one. The only way you can protect yourself from developing diabetes is to do exactly what I just said. And, and that is exercise, not overeat, and watch uh, your consumption of alcohol and salt. Now, if you develop diabetes, then you need to aggressively control the diabetes. You need to have hemoglobin A1Cs, ideally in the range of around 6 to 6.5 if you can. You should have your blood pressure well below 140, ideally below 130. You should have your LDL cholesterol in double digits, below 100 for sure. And if you do all of that and do it religiously, you will stave off advanced development of kidney disease. There's no question about that. Now, many people have done everything correctly, and I'll just give you an anecdotal story. I had a patient call me the other day. She was doing everything religiously. I mean, I've never seen anybody like this. This is this woman, you couldn't do any better than her. She had a hemoglobin A1C of 6. She had a, a blood pressure of 114. She had a, an LDL cholesterol of 52. Um, she was exercising. She wasn't smoking. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. Right. She still had microalbuminuria. So I asked her, I said, are you following the salt diet? And I, she goes, well, what salt diet? I said, well, we talked about reducing salt. And she said, well, I haven't really done that. So I said, here's what you do. I said, I gave you a pamphlet. You need to read it. It's got all the common foods in it. And you need to make sure that you follow that. And I, what I mean by that is you can have any spice you want. You can eat anything you want. Just don't do it with salt. Restrict yourself to about three grams a day three to four grams a day in that neighborhood. It's not as bad as you think. So try it. And call me in a month. We'll have you come back in. We'll recheck your urine. So she did that. And a month later, she came in. Her blood pressure was still well-controlled, hadn't really changed very much. But we repeated her albuminuria. It was absolutely normal. Wow. 
And so I think people don't appreciate the fact that if you're on ACE inhibitors, if you're on angiotensin receptor blockers, everybody thinks that's going to save everybody. That's not true. In fact, high salt intake takes away more than half the benefit of those agents because it shuts down the system. So I think it's important to understand that, and salt, by the way, in and of itself, increases oxidant stress. And that's been well documented, and it's true in the vasculature. So that means the kidney, the brain, the heart, everywhere. I, where we're talking about a vascular disease, we're talking about problems with your pipes. The pipes feed the organs, and the organs ultimately get the injury, but the pipes have the injury before the organs get the injury. And I think that's kind of how we have to think about this. I want to thank our guest today, Dr. George Backris. We've been discussing the silent killer, kidney disease. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.